0: Hey guys, Crazy Idea, let's record a podcast. (laughs) Today? Today. Immediately.
1: Welcome to the Innovation Overground, the front porch of academic innovation where we find the coolest university technologies so that... You don't have to. Uh, we want to add to the volume of those innovations and hopefully help them become actual things that people can use. Thank you for joining us. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Joe Rungi, Dr. Law Dog, and Entrepreneurial Werewolf. How's it going, Joe?
0: Hey, Charlie. Do you know tourniquets are back in?
1: I did hear that the other day. Yes. Yeah. Apparently, they were out, and now they're back.
0: You know what else is back? What's that? Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Please subscribe. We are the front porch of academic innovation worldwide, and we want you to be on that porch. Get on the porch, subscribe, leave a review tell your friends anymore okay hang on hang on let me shake it
1: (laughs) i'm sorry we've been we've been gone for a couple of weeks here so i'm a little a little rusty we're all a little rusty we're all a little rusty so please forgive us also with this is tyler tyler my name i'm pretty sure is pronounced share it's been a while since i ran that joke i thought i'd give it another shot (laughs) yeah phd science wizard how's it going tyler
2: good i'm just in a rocking chair on the porch right now settled in ready to go Oh, okay. That's like, what that means. That's a Pearl Jam song.
1: <laughs> okay. See, you know what? I'm not very cool. So the hip references, they're going to go
2: right by me. We are the front porch. I was just. <clears throat>
1: not for, you know, grunge music song lyrics. However. No, that's my other podcast. <laughs> 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 All right. You know what? I think it's time we went over something. I saw um, the. Um, somebody. I saw that, like, the bile from Bears. Can be used to treat like I don't know, like gallstones or something. What? I don't know what it is, but it's I. And then that's fine. Hey, great, congratulations, bears! Your stomach acid is has value beyond you know dissolving berries and salmon heads. You know who's not going to be happy about that, bears? Like, oh, geez, great! I thought they just wanted my paws. <laughs> now we got this to deal with. <laughs> exactly, but I want to know who's the first guy. Who came along and and, and saw presumably a dead bear and thought, you know what I need to do? I need to dig in there, pull out the stomach and kind of drink that because that might be good. What if it was an (laughs)
0: accidental discovery? What if they were like consuming, I don't know, bear fur? They were like freebasing or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Cooking
1: up some bear fur.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: I don't even know. I mean, this could be some form of like – Eastern haggis, right? It's, it's, oh, God, yeah. Way better, way better. Thank <laughs> maybe you. they're so, trying
1: yeah. to make cheese. Maybe, maybe. Because cow stomachs have a, yeah. that that's thing that makes milk curdle. Sure. or something. Yeah. Right?
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Is it called rennet? So I actually came across the same article. I dove into it a little bit. And the theory isn't as crazy as it sounds. So, I mean, the thinking went, so the theory goes, that... Gee, these animals are able to hibernate for long periods of time. They must produce something that keeps everything running while they're basically sleeping and oh. <laughs> for months on end. So, so let's try to figure out what they have inside of them that's like an antifreeze. So what you're saying <laughs> is somebody
1: there might have been actual thought that went
2: into it. I think so. Huh. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't think driven. Okay. Yeah, I don't think we're giving our ancient ancestors enough credit here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think science is 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 indelibly imprinted on the human mind, even thousands of years ago. Unless Guinness Book World Records type nonsense. I thought they just
1: kind of thought it doesn't smell bad. Why just drink it? Hey, new guy. I mean, it
2: could have. It, you know, I I yeah. guarantee you the person who had the theory wasn't the one who tried it. I bet they convinced someone else to test it first.
0: Hey, give this a shot. Paleolithic postdoc. Man, I better get a faculty job for this.
2: Yeah. So there's a whole host of um uh, what we would consider maybe to be um holistic or, or folkloric or non-traditional herbal, non-western maybe? herbal yeah. medicines yeah 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 bear, it bear like kind of the rage now yeah well bare bile acid i mean scientists in the western world have gotten their hands on it and actually confirmed that there is a component there's a chemical in there uh, that is good, for, as you mentioned, for gallstones, um, as well as some, some uh, liver disease. So some of that's already been—I mean, there's, there's medications now that have been made off of chemicals that, were, that are synthesized and, and made in, in a regulated factory, but they were identified in bare bile acid. That's crazy. Do you have an
0: academic innovation example of such a thing?
2: I do. Thanks, Joe. How did you know? (laughs) Yeah, that would be... I think uh, the rust is all shook off. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for helping with that transition. Yeah, so... um, I came across this actually at the the conference we hosted, right, Charlie, the Midwest Drug Development Conference.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I should point out that we, in our hiatus, we did uh, we did check out the, the Midwest Drug Development Conference. It's we we hosted at UNIMED, the Tech Transfer Office for the University of Nebraska, um, and and so what we do is we try to bring together a bunch of Midwestern universities and their drug related technologies, and then also bring in pharmaceutical and industry representatives and venture capitalist type people, and kind of give them one location to hit so-called flyover country. And I think we had like 48 technologies, 18 different universities from, you know, Ohio State and and Mayo Clinic all the way down to – uh, well, I'm not going to say. It was, <laughs> I'm not going to phrase it that way, but uh, anyway, geographically it, 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 down, geographically down, yeah, down. <laughs> we're to, talking down about to, the direction the south.
0: Nothing down goes.
1: to yeah. I was afraid of misreading that. There would be, you know, like Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, um, the Dakotas. And so um, a lot of really cool stuff there. So I think in the next couple of episodes, anyway, we'll probably look at some technologies that came there. So just
2: yeah. sort of foreshadowing there. And we're going to start off with a good one. This is a uh, a saffron derived. Uh, treatment for pancreatic cancer from Dr. Dar and his collaborators at uh, University of Kansas.
1: Saffron. So like the... Saffron,
2: yes. Is that that an herb? Or is that a spice? It is. uh, 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 Maybe both. Flour. It's a a spice and a food colorant from the dried stigmas of the Crocus sativus L plant. There you go. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, exactly. Word for word. I read that off a Snapple lid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. Um, so if we're so, being technically, you it off a series of snapple lids. <laughs> yeah, that was too much for one it, snapple. It was a big lid. <laughs> so what's so so what? What can saffron do for you? So, so saffron, again, following the the line of folkloric uh, traditions and medicines, has, has been known as a or thought of as a cure all in many cultures, dating back thousands of years. Um, and it was so it was believed to do all sorts of different. Things, uh, one of which has sort of been borne out here. So there's there's a component of saffron, um, crocetin, among the 150 or so compounds in saffron that has been shown now to be um, to have a role in treating cancer. And in particular, these researchers showed that in combination with 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 more traditional um, frontline cancer uh, drugs like uh, gemcitabine, um, that this this uh, crocetin from from saffron purified from saffron um, had this huge impact on pancreatic cancer. Um, so saffron,
1: you have to like, that's like really expensive. I think it's like a million dollars an ounce and, or maybe half a million. I'm not sure. Um, but, cause I think you have to pick it by hand, right? Yes. And it only grows yeah. like in Nepal or something. Yeah. It's
0: the stamens. Is that right? The stamens? Mm-hmm. So the crocus to, flowers? You have to pluck the these stigmas, little- The stigmas, I guess. Stigmas. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stamens. I don't know. I done yeah. sexed the plants wrong. But, yes, yeah, so it's basically you have to lean over and pick the individual parts out of each one of the flowers. So that's why it's
1: incredibly expensive, right? It's very labor intensive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So until someone makes a, a saffron harvesting drone. And then the entire saffron
2: market, at the bottom will come out. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. Especially if it can cure cancer on yeah. top of smelling well, yeah, and tasting so good. yeah, that's what I'm so getting at. That's
1: so true. What part of the – what is it that the saffron does? I mean, this doesn't occur naturally anywhere else.
2: Um, it might, but it happens to be uh, – so I, these researchers, I think, were just, you know, again, just going off of folkloric tradition and um, – holistic medicine or herbal medicines, and they they decided to sort of crowdsource saffron um, and all of its compounds and tested them to see which ones showed uh, some, some efficacy against cancer, and it happened to be crocetin that so did. So. It's interesting.
0: A lot of these more folkloric compounds now, because new tools are more available and more widely utilized... We can actually explore. Well, scientists can actually explore what are the active parts of these, you know, compounds for which mm. the mechanism is currently unknown. So it's more than simply saying saffron has a use. It's saying this is the useful part of saffron. Saffron produces all kinds of different chemical compounds, and they're isolating mm-hmm. right the most effective ones. Yeah. Well, and at then, least
2: at least the most effective against cancer. That's true for a particular. Yeah. There could be other effective molecules in there so too. So then they would
1: like basically take whatever that element or single or right. a couple elements, combine yeah. them and, and concentrate them in a way that they would be highly
2: effective. Yeah, and it Leapons wouldn't saffron. It wouldn't have to be... <laughs> well, that's a much better way <laughs> of putting it. Thank you, Joe. And it wouldn't have to be purified from saffron. I'm sure you can synthesize this right. much okay. cheaper and in larger quantities. Yeah. So how
1: effective does it appear to be for cancer? I mean, how likely is it that this thing could actually be out there at some point helping...
2: Yeah, no, that is having the Steve Jobs. So the they world. so they have right now. Um, they have some encouraging data in mice in a in a pancreatic cancer model. They've also shown its effect that it has effectivity, um, anti-tumor activity against a number of other types of cancers, but just in vitro, so just in a lab. Um, so they really are looking for that. This is patented, um, in the U.S., and they're looking for either a company to license this and really move it up to uh, clinical trials. Um. Uh. Or. 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 For some funding to be able to do that. We
1: gotta get on this. We gotta save Alex Trebek, right?
2: Yeah, that's a good so point.
1: When what? What university is this out of again?
2: Kansas. Kansas.
0: Yeah. So, um, kind of the exact opposite approach was taken by, uh, Florida. So, uh, Florida A has a a project where they looked at conventional drugs treat eczema, and eczema, you know, has uh, it, it has a lot of really particular elements to it. It's only located on your hands it has kind of an inflammatory pattern that's very similar. So what they did is they engineered these six parameters that were like relevant for what is going on specifically with eczema. And then they sort of scoured the natural world to try to find properties or try to find, you know, what do we call them? Folkloric compounds that were sort of relevant for them. And then they sort of mashed them together into this industrial scale sort of all-star team of conventional home or herbal remedies. And so by using things like black walnut, by turmeric, St. John's wort, aloe vera, they essentially are addressing all the underlying causes of eczema, which include uh, being anti-inflammatory, clearing dead skin, uh, having antifungal, antimicrobial activities. And then they package them all together into this one sort of skincare product, which they've got a clever name for and I need to look up. Um, But the idea being that um, simply trying to find categorically some herbal remedy for all the individual elements which inflame eczema. They have this sort of one overall invention, Hmm. which they're calling a herbaceutics. And so the idea is by not relying on one functional part, right, not a reductionist approach, which is also valid. But they're taking a more general approach. And I think like these two technologies are illustrative of what you can learn from these more um, herbal based remedies that you can either really look at one and break it down and figure out what is the like real active part of it like the tip of the spear right or you could say you know what let's just mix a whole bunch of these things together since they don't have side effects right they are naturally occurring compounds <clears throat> there are things that people consume all the time and we'll just sort of create like a, an avengers team of all of the past herbal remedies deploy them sort of in a uh, in this case it's in a, a topical ointment so they kind of go in the right pattern and then just deploy them all and address kind of this broader difficult to treat medical condition
1: it seems like eczema is just a is that like a like a really narrowly defined thing or is that kind of a broad catch-all for a lot of different things?
0: So eczema is a skin disorder and it can have a wide variety of causes. So I think it's more like the latter of what you're saying. Yeah. And that's why this approach works specifically. Where pancreatic cancer generally is biologically pretty yeah. specific. You have with eczema something that could be a combination of inflammation, seasonal, infectious, dry skin dead skin whatever right so you have these multiple again it's these six parameters they identified by simply having an herbal treatment for each one kind of all in one house bam you can sort of treat it with uh one product
1: well, that sounds pretty great so who i'm sorry this is florida
0: yeah florida AM.
1: okay and how close is this to something that's is that with i'm sorry let me back up for a second what sort of barriers does this have for becoming on the market. That's a really
0: good question because unlike new compounds, there don't have to be safety and efficacy that sort of demonstrate with it. However, if you're making a specific claim, you have to validate it. Mm -hmm. So if you simply marketed this as like an herbal supplement or something along those lines, then it would be much quicker to market. Whereas if you want to say this stops eczema, then you would need to actually prove it stops eczema. Yeah.
1: So right now you can make zero claims that this might – what kind of claim could you make on something like this and not – run afoul of any so
0: agency. So the, the FDA has really gotten <clears throat> much more engaged with mm-hmm. nutraceuticals, as these are often called, mm-hmm. which is where you take things that are more like food, but give them things that are more like pharmaceutical sort of claims. And the, the there, there's it's a good news, bad news thing for a product like this. The good news is it's safe and so you can bring it straight to market. The bad news is any claim that's going to be pharmaceutical-like, you need data to be able to validate. And that's probably a good yeah. mix, right? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, given that this is coming out of university and they have like a really compelling scientific story to come with it, they've got a very specific ratio of these different compounds and a very specific selection of herbal remedies to sort of combine. You know, they could probably really dive down and treat it like a medical product and, and sort of go that full FDA route. I think simply to sell it, but not to say what it does, you know, that that's that's going to be harder to do because the whole point of the story is not that this is just generally going to make you feel better. It's going to treat your eczema. And so if you're not saying that, then what's the point?
1: Okay, cool. Um, well, I think on that note, I think it's about time we come to ground on this one. Yeah, it is. In...
0: Okay. Uh, please take a note to check the feature technologies. We'll include links to mm-hmm. both the um, saffron-derived and the multivariant uh, herbal remedies as well as some information on bear bile.
1: Okay, for Tyler Sharon and Joe Runge, I'm Charlie Littens, and thank you for joining us on Unimed's Innovation Overground.